Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. You know, when I was growing up, this was sometimes called the midweek service, but most of the time it was called prayer service, uh, prayer meeting. Uh, and the reason was because as the adults would gather on Wednesday night, uh, it was more casual setting, of course, and um, didn't have all the other parts of worship we generally have on Sunday morning. And so they would have a time where they could verbally express their prayer request and then have time to pray over those prayer requests before they got into the study of God's Word. Well, of course, our situation with the coronavirus challenges and, and all the guidelines we have, that's not really possible for us. Uh, hopefully in the future we can find a way to uh, open this up uh, where you can participate maybe in a unique way as we gather on Wednesday night online as we are tonight. Uh, but until then, um, we want to encourage you to, to keep praying for one another. Uh, it's been a blessing to me as a pastor. I'm on two or three different Sunday school groups, and uh, I see you sharing prayer requests with one another, and that's great. Uh, I see you sharing verses of importance and blessings to each other, and that's been uh, real joyful for me as well, to see that y'all are engaging one another spiritually and encouraging one another through this unique time. But what we want to do tonight is, of course, we want to pray for our country, we want to pray for our community, we want to be praying for our church and our Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, just over the last couple of days, because so many of you have been asking about it, uh, Brother Donnie King, of course, was taken to the emergency room and um, they did a CAT scan, did an MRI, uh, did not find anything wrong, and that's good news, praise the Lord, and he is home. Uh, we do know that today, Joyce back. Um, had something happen, not sure what it was, but they have taken her to the ER at St. Francis downtown, and we're just waiting a call. Uh, the hospital is going to call Tony, her son, who will get in touch with Van and Martha, and then they will get in touch with me, and we'll find out more about what is going on uh, with our sister, Joyce Bagwell. So, Right now, keep those, and there are many, many others, of course, and uh, we want you to just keep praying and interceding and standing in the gap for one another. Now, before we have this time of prayer, though, I want to remind you of something very, very important. This time of the year, every year, around Easter, of course, we're taking up our Annie Armstrong offering. And as I shared Sunday morning, um, really, the ladies did not have time or the means to be able to promote that. But we want to encourage you to really give towards this. Uh, our goal is $7,000. And over the next two or three weeks, we want you to pray first and foremost, maybe as a couple, maybe even as a family, get your children involved, and just seek God's guidance and give towards this as you're giving your tithes and your offerings. You need to label this different. Now, if you're going to send it in by mail, make sure that this is a separate check and that uh, you have it labeled for the Annie Armstrong offering. If you're used to giving online, you know what to do there. Uh, if you're now just starting to use online, it may be using our website for that. If you go to our website, www.washingtonbaptistchurch.org, on the home page, front page up on the right side, it says give online. You click on that. And when that window comes up, you'll see one line has general offering. And then right to the right side of those words is a little arrow. You click on that 
era, it's going to drop down a window and a list of all the other offerings we generally give, and Annie Armstrong is on that list, and you click on that and follow the rest of the instructions. But we really want you to give because every penny of this offering is going to these missionaries. I don't know what the other churches are doing, but I know what the Lord wants us to be doing. So as a person, as a, as a couple, as a family, pray, and let's reach this goal uh, along with the other incredible ways in which you've been given as well. Now, having said that, let's join our hearts together and let's go to the Lord in prayer. So, Almighty God, our eternal God and Father, we come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, one sitting at your right hand. And, Lord, we come with our hearts greatly burdened for our country. Of course, we're concerned about the coronavirus and the impact it is having health-wise on people. We don't want to see anyone, Lord, their life come to an end. But, uh, Lord God, we just thank you that you're on your throne. And we're asking you to, to show us the depth of your compassion and your love and your mercy. And, Lord, deliver us as a country. Just step in with divine, sovereign power. Lord God, and remove this from us uh, so that we can glorify you, so that, Lord, we can uh, lift you up and exalt you for your goodness and be able to testify of the works that you have done among us in our country, but also in our communities, Lord. And as we find friends that we discover uh, have tested positive, uh, maybe we have some out there have family members that have tested positive. I received some of them, Lord, you know, from texts and emails, and we're standing in the gap for them, asking that you would just lavish your, your hand of blessing and healing upon them, Lord, and deliver them through this and out of this. And of course, Lord God, we want to give you all the glory. I continue to praise you, Lord God, for this body of Christ, just the way that they are praying for each other, encouraging one another, the way they're giving to the ministry so that Lord, once the doors are open uh, up for us and we can begin moving back into the ministries that you had already given to us, then, Lord, we can hit the road running for your glory. So I just want to thank you with all my heart for how they have given and how I believe they'll give towards the Annie Armstrong offering as well. So, Lord, you continue to guide us so. We're still seeking wisdom. We want to be wise. We want to be responsible and direct us in the days and the weeks ahead. Lord, as, as the doors begin to open up, how we can open up to our body uh, in a way where we can once again begin to encourage each other together, gathering together in some form or fashion. So thank you, Lord God, that you're a God that hears and answers prayer. We rejoice in what you're going to do uh, through these requests. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're ready now to get into God's Word, and I just want to share with you that uh, some of the richest and uh, most fruitful studies in my own life have involved taking a very familiar passage of Scripture and begin to explore all the scriptural gems of truth that are attached either to that verse, that familiar verse, or that familiar passage, and begin to gleam out of that, and it's been such a blessing in my life. 
And so uh, there is a passage of scripture. I have been wanting to study in that manner and share that study with you. And it just seems like with the coronavirus uh, challenges we have, just the situation we're in, this is the right time. So I'd love you to take your Bibles, turn with me in the Gospel of Matthew to Matthew chapter 6, and uh, we're going to begin tonight looking and exploring all these spiritual nuggets of truth associated with verses 9 through 13. Now, some of you already know what this passage is. Uh, you know it's what we generally refer to as uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, a model prayer. Uh, maybe like me, you memorized this as a child and, and you've been in gatherings, so many I've been in gatherings like this where Someone leading will say, all right, everybody stand up and let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Now, that's a little revealing because, first of all, it reminds us that if we memorize something, if we're not careful, it becomes so familiar to us that we just, we just say the words by rote memory, but we're not really thinking of the message behind those words. It also reveals to us that we're maybe doing something Scripture doesn't teach us. It doesn't teach us to say prayers. The Scripture teaches us to pray our prayers. And so we want to look at this beginning tonight. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 9 through 13. And as for as introduction, let me just share a few thoughts with you. Things about prayer. I want to put this in context uh, for us, uh, so that uh, we are we can really just get in and begin to pull out all the wonderful truth uh, that is there. Um, when we look at this passage of scripture, I'm reminded of three things that are three reasons why we do not pray. So let me just share those with you. First of all, we do not pray to instruct God. I, I think sometimes it's easy for us to fall into that pattern where we just kind of rush into the very presence of God and we're laying out for him uh, what I call our spiritual grocery list. And we're telling him, Lord, I need you to do this and I need you to do that. And Lord, I want you to do this. And, and Lord, I, I need this. And, and we begin to lay all that out just saying, God, this is what I am wanting you to do. And, and so it's kind of like, we don't realize it, but we're kind of treating God like he's some divine cosmic bellhop. And so we're bringing our list in there to him, and, and I can kind of picture him running around in heaven and sending out angels trying to fulfill our wish list. No. Yes, the scripture does say this, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to God. Well, it's one thing to lay out our needs before him. It's another thing to instruct him how we want him to meet those needs. So just remember that we do not pray, first of all, to instruct God. Secondly, we do not pray to impress God. I want you to look at this passage here in Matthew chapter 6 and, and verse 7. This is right before we enter into uh, verses 9 through 13, obviously. And here's what Jesus was telling the disciples about prayer. He says, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Let me see if I can word it this way for you. It is not the language of our prayers that count. 
It is not the length of our prayers that count. It's not the logic of our prayers that count. Now, we may be able to sound like we are as spiritual as the Apostle Paul with the phrases and words we use. And, and we may think that uh, the longer we stay and the longer we plead, that's going to make an incredible difference. No, no, it, it's not the length of our prayers that count. It's not the language of our prayers that count. It's not the logic, how wisely we think we have presented this to God that counts. What counts is that we pray not to do these things, but we pray to invite God, that is, invite God as Lord of literally every aspect of our lives, spiritually, physically, financially, relationally, emotionally, mentally, every aspect of our lives. Prayer is not about instructing God or impressing God or, or, or even informing God. You know, sometimes we try to inform God so God doesn't know, but he does know. Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 32, just to uh, remind you of this, it says, For the Gentiles eagerly seek, this is Jesus talking, For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things from your heavenly Father who knows that you need all these things. You can't, you can't reveal something to him he doesn't already know. So you see, prayer it is not instructing God or impressing God or informing God, but prayer is inviting God as Lord into every aspect of our lives. Now, having said that, let's begin looking at this prayer, these instructions of Christ. What he's doing is laying out for the disciples the realities of prayer so that uh, in their communion with the Lord and in, in their conversation with the Lord, they can be joyful and they can know that God is hearing the cry of their heart. So let's look at it together as we begin tonight. And our focus tonight is on simply this, the person of prayer, the person of prayer. So here's what Jesus says. He says, our Father who is in heaven. So let's just look at that. Our Father who is in heaven. Now, we know we're talking about Almighty God. We're talking about the Lord God Most High. We're talking about the Lord of hosts. We're talking about El Shaddai. We're talking about the great I Am. We're talking about uh, the God of heaven and earth, the great eternal God and creator. But Jesus begins by teaching the disciples and now us that God wants us to approach him and address him as Father. Father. Because he wants us to be a very personal living relationship he has with us. Now let me take a moment to clarify something. The Lord is the eternal God and creator of all. But he's not the eternal God and father of all. You see, Father demands a relationship, a personal relationship. In fact, if you're talking about Father and you're talking about us crying out to Father, we're talking about a father-child conversation. And so Jesus is talking about someone who has a relationship with God through him 
where they are part of the family of God. This is why over in the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, and I'd like for you to look at that with me, John chapter 1 and, and in verse 12, Jesus said this, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. It is incredibly important that we become children of God by receiving Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Then he's not just our eternal God and creator, then he is our eternal God and Father. Now, let me share this with you, also from the Gospel of John, John chapter 8, and in verse 44, just to show you that even Christ reveals that God, eternal God in heaven, is not the father of everyone. He says in John chapter 8, in verse 44, and he's talking to unbelieving Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, you know the group uh, that was constantly uh, after him. And here's what he said to them in, in verse 44, John 8, 44. He said, you are your father, the devil. You are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so even right there, Jesus is making a distinction. That eternal God is not eternal God and Father of everyone, but he is eternal God and Father of those who have accepted Christ. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is found in Galatians. So if you want to take your Bible and turn there with me, Galatians uh, chapter 4 and, and in verse 6. And notice uh, what uh, Paul writes to the Christians in Galatia. He says, because you are sons, meaning sons and daughters, but he says, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Some pronounce it Abba. I pronounce it Abba. Abba, Father. That word Abba is an Aramaic term. And the best word for us today and in, in, in our day and time and in our culture and language is simply the word dad. And so it's a picture here, just an awesome picture of a little child crawling up into the lap of his or her father, putting their arm around his neck and just sharing their heart with him. That is what the father is looking for, our eternal God and father. Well, you know, when you think about that and you think about well, if he's my father, what can I expect from him? Well, there's three things. Just want to touch on these very briefly here. But it's all part of these nuggets of truth that are found in this passage of Scripture. First of all, we can expect his care in our in lives. Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 26, listen to uh, what, the, what the Scripture says here. Again, Jesus is trying to explain to them uh, just how much the Father loves them, how he cares for them. And he says this, he says, Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father leads them. Are you not more worthy than they? And of course, we are. We've been adopted into his family. We are his family. 
sons. We are his daughters. We are children of his. And, and what Jesus is saying is, is God is the perfect caretaker of, of, his, of his children. As, as a heavenly father, he is the provider. He is the protector. He's going to point us in, in the right direction in life. Now, you know, as an earthly father, <laughs> I, I'm obviously, I'm not perfect, haven't been perfect. There are no perfect earthly fathers. We all have faults and we all have failures at, at different levels and in different ways. But when we talk about our father, our eternal God and father, he is a perfect father and caretaker of his children. You can expect his care. I want to add to that. Because not only can you expect his care, you can also expect his correction as well. In, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6, it simply says this. Uh, as we look into to God's word here, um, the scripture says, um, for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. That is, he corrects them. It's out of love that he corrects us uh, because he wants us to be blessed. He wants us to stay on the path of righteousness. He wants us to follow the, the plan that he's laid out for us, that, that he wants to guide us through as he, uh, as he has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And when we move off that plan or we move off that path of righteousness out of love, he corrects us. And so here's what you can expect of your father, your eternal God and father. You can expect his care and you can expect his correction. But also know this, that you can expect his compassion as well. Over in the Psalms, beautiful Psalms, Psalms uh, 103 and in verse 13. If you'll look at that with me for just a moment, Psalms 103 and, and in verse 13. And, and here's, here's what um, the psalmist wrote. It's the Psalm of David. So David wrote this. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That, that simply means those who reverence him, those who understand not only just his greatness, but his incredible goodness. And I want to tell you, when we come to him humbly and with honest heart, he will not withhold not one single drop of his love or his grace or his mercy his loving kindness, or his compassion. Because we can expect out of him his care, his correction, and his compassion. Now let me close with this right here. Jesus said, our Father who is in heaven. That phrase in heaven literally means in the heavenlies. Now, what that just simply means in the spiritual realm. But what does that mean for us? Here's what that means. There's no place that you'll ever be that your Father in heaven will not be there with you. There's not a moment in your life that God is not going to be there, your Father in heaven right there with you. Let me word it this way. Just take this in. 
You and I each have all of God all the time. We have all of God all the time. For many years, I gave my heart to Christ when I was seven and um, just growing, learning what it means to have this relationship, what it means to call upon him in prayer through the years. And there were times that I struggled with when I'd go before the Lord in prayer that I would be thinking, well, you know, I'm just one person, you know, just like a dot on the back of a flea on this planet, and this planet is just like a dot on the back of a flea uh, in the Milky Way, and the Milky Way itself is just a dot on the back of a flea when it comes to this incredible universe. And, and I'm trying to call upon this incredible God at the same time tens and thousands of others are called upon this God, and why would he even hear my voice? But here's what the Lord has taught me through this verse and just through life, that I have him, I have all of him all the time. It's just like one-on-one. -on -one. I can crawl into his lap, put my arm around his neck, any place, any time, and I have all of him and all of his attention. What an awesome God we serve. So as we continue this study next week and we begin to open this up, you're going to discover just how awesome he is, the realities that, he, that Jesus teaches us. And I hope you're going to grow in your communion with him, with your communication with him, and, and it's going to open up your life for incredible blessings from this day forward. So let's close in prayer. Father God, I come. Again, just so grateful for this word right here. Just, just the nuggets of truth we will be able to look at tonight. And the fact that you are our Father, our eternal God and Father, who is in heaven. And we have you all the time. And we have all of you all the time. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for the rest of this week. And may his favor be upon you. Thank you for joining us tonight.